Let's do this. The latest edition of the Nate Taylor show. The first one that at least I've done, Nate Taylor, when the Chiefs have lost. Ah. I know you have done some after a Chiefs loss. I myself oh. have never done one after <laughs> a Chiefs loss. Man, last year, me and me and Jay Beakley, we were going through it in October, Carrington. Those first two months, I imagine, well, they were, were very stressful. <laughs> the text line was hot. Yeah, I imagine it was a stressful time. Uh, let's get right to it, man. You were there. You saw it. I said that there were four reasons why the Chiefs lost this game. I thought it was special teams, mm-hmm. poor execution, poor clock management, and the Chris Jones penalty. What's your biggest reason on why the Chiefs lost? Um, you give a good list. Um, man, it's so easy to like pinpoint the Chris Jones unsportsmanlike conduct penalty because um, it is somewhat avoidable, right? Now, you know, I was in the locker room, Carrington, I asked this man straight up, have you ever been penalized the way you were penalized today? And he said, no, I've never been penalized for just talking. We're just talking junk, smack, trash talk, you know, letting Matt Ryan hear it. Now, maybe Matt Ryan understands the rules and sort of goaded Chris Jones into just maybe saying something he shouldn't have said. The problem is, Carrington, that the referee, Sean Smith, was right there. It was a three-person conversation, not a two-person conversation. And I don't think Chris realized that. So that's something to keep in mind next time. But it's easy to say that that's the biggest reason why they lost because there is no way. I don't I don't think the Colts, even if the Colts, let, let's play through this scenario real quick. If there's not a penalty, it's fourth and 14. They're punting the ball. They with, like, with like four minutes to go. Yes, they have all three timeouts. They have the two-minute warning. So the Chiefs, in essence, even if they don't get a first down, you're going to use most of your timeouts, and you might have the two-minute warning at your disposal. Carrington, there was nothing that that was revealed to us before the final drive that the Colts, in a two-minute operation, were going to go down the field 70, 80 yards to get a touchdown. Um. So, yes, Chris Jones is probably the most to blame from a player standpoint. But the reason they lost is because Andy Reid made asinine decisions. Like, just... What's the most asinine one, in your opinion? It's fourth and 11, and Noah Gray's running a five-yard out with Tommy Townsend throwing the football because you don't trust the kicker. But is it in some ways coaching, too? Like, you had all week, you know in whatever scenario you wanted to in practice, to really find out what is Matt Amendola's range. Is it 40? Is it 45? Dave Tobe on Thursday, Carrington, told us that he was good from 50 indoors. They never let him get to 40. But if it's a 42-yard field goal and you're a replacement-level kicker, I think you let the kicker, you let him try. Or if you don't feel confident in him, Keep the most talented quarterback on the field with the offense and just say, hey, let's go get, you know, 11 yards. Would you like to read a really interesting stat or for me to tell you an interesting stat? Yeah, of course. All right. So this is from True Media, which is one of our, you know, stat services that we use at The Athletic. Um, On distances of third down with 10 or more to go. So basically third and long. The Chiefs have had seven plays this year. They've converted four. 
they have converted 57.1% of third and long plays where you need 10 or more yards. So you can just look at the data and say, if I don't trust the kicker on fourth and 11. I should trust Patrick Mahomes. Thank you. And what did they do? They didn't let the kicker kick a field goal, and they didn't trust Patrick Mahomes and the rest of the offense. So that's probably the biggest mistake. You also had fourth and two from the two-yard line, and then when they kicked a field goal, that eventually became a 26-yarder because there was so much conversation as to whether to go or whether to not go that they had to delay a game penalty. So it's all the coaching decisions that are so unusual for Andy Reid because obviously most people will point to clock management. But he said it after the game that he didn't think his team was prepared. But I don't know if the coach was ready to make the coaching decisions that to, you know, my vantage point seemed easier than, than what he obviously chose. My biggest reason for why they lost was the special teams I just don't think this version of the Chiefs is talented enough mm. to be able to get an F you might in be, one phase of the game. You might be onto something. And still score enough points to win. Mm-hmm. They missed the extra point. They then muffed a punt. They then go for the fake punt, which takes points off the board. They then miss another field goal. To your point about Matt Amendola, which is still a little bit confusing to me, they gave up on Matt Amendola after one missed extra point. Right. They determined that they weren't going to let him kick anymore for the most part after mm-hmm. missing one extra point. If he was on that much of thin ice, he shouldn't have been your kicker this week. Correct. And, look, I know some people will suggest, hey, what about Justin Reed? And it's like, hey, it's indoors. Justin Reed's got, you know, a big leg. I, I understand it. It couldn't have been any worse than what they did. So what are we doing as a coaching staff? We had all week to prepare for this. And all of a sudden, one result changes the entire scenario for the rest of the game. Um, It's okay, I think, for a rookie to make a mistake in punt return like Sky Moore because he didn't really do it in college, and there's a way for a rookie to learn, and that is through mistakes just as much as, you know, successful plays. It's one thing for a head coach in his 24th year to be like, you know what, actually – uh, on the next time we score a touchdown, we're going for two. Even though I would suggest you didn't have to chase points as much because the Colts, when you didn't give them, <laughs> you know, red zone opportunities off of turnovers, they weren't getting into the red zone. So it's it's a little startling, honestly, to assess what this team has done in short yardage situations. Uh, you know, Dave Tobe is one of the best special teams coordinators in the league. And for him and Andy Reid to, like, have some level of I won't say confusion, but there was a difference of what do we feel comfortable with going into the game versus during the game when, you know, a missed extra point can can really swing the momentum in the other team's favor when they didn't really do anything to earn that momentum. Um, I just – I don't know if – I don't think Chiefs fans should get over the fact that they lost this game because you could have been up two scores several times and the coach decided not to do it. You could have been up two scores early in the third quarter um, with the ball at the two-yard line. They kicked the field goal. You could have been up two scores if you let Amendola try um, a 42-yard field goal instead of having Tommy Townsend, God bless him, you know, throw it out to, to Noah Gray, which they may have done that in practice, but how many times? 
you know, three, four. You don't really get that many reps in special teams periods anyway. Wouldn't have mattered anyway because I had a legal man downfield. <laughs> so, so even if they had completed the pass, they didn't execute the pass properly. So, yeah, Chiefs fans can – Chris Jones will get most of the blame, but if you're listening, a lot of it comes down to Andy Reid just making, you know, ill-advised decisions, and sometimes that happens in an NFL game. I want to get to Chris Jones after the break, but I want to make one kind of point about it. And I think this show will be will kind of break down the different parts of the game. Mm-hmm. The thing about this question is the Chiefs gave one person half a billion dollars to throw passes. If I had told you that on a fourth or 11, the Chiefs would throw a pass to a tight end Whew. and neither Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey were a part of it, you would call me crazy. Right. This wasn't a fourth and two shovel pass trying to catch him off guard. Right. This wasn't a fourth and five just trying to run it really quick. You just got to make one guy miss, get a block. A fourth and 11 pass play. I mean, the conversion rate of that with your normal quarterback, if you're not Patrick Mahomes, is already small enough. Now you factor in Tommy Townsend (laughs) throwing to Noah Gray. It was mind-blowing. Like, whatever grade you would give the special teams, it was worse than that. If you give their special teams an F, it was an M. That's how bad their special teams was on Sunday. Yeah, of course. And and think about it this way, Carrington. Not only is it Tommy Townsend to know a great, it's the idea that, like, the other team should expect a fake field goal because you don't have Harrison Bucker. What element of surprise is there, Carrington? It's fourth and eleven. Like, we have all this space to defend. As you mentioned, it's not fourth and one. It's not fourth and two. They don't have their regular kicker. So why should we be surprised if he's already missed an extra point and they want to go with the element of surprise when we shouldn't be surprised at all? It's just, it's poor coaching. It it really is, guys. Like, sometimes fans want to blame the player, and that's okay because they are the ones playing the game. They are the ones who have a bit more impact on the physicality as to who wins and who loses. But um, Andy Reid had to apologize to the guys in the locker room. I know Carlos Dunlap said that after the game, that he admired the fact that Andy Reid was like, this is on me just as much as it's on anybody else in the room. But um, you don't pay Andy Reid to be one of the highest paid coaches in the league, and you don't pay Patrick Mahomes, like you said, half half a billion dollars for them to get these decisions wrong um, in such a really just just stunning manner. Um, so you want to blame Chris Jones? That's fine. I will blame Andy Reid. How much of the Amendola release today was Harrison Bucker is ready and they plan on him kicking in Sunday's game or whenever Sunday's game could be because of everything that's going on weather-related or mm-hmm. the fact that they made the decision to cut Matt Amendola whenever they made the decision to go for the fake field goal. At, at that moment, they had released him. Yeah. He had to finish the game, but at that moment, they had made the point that they were going to release Matt Amendola. How much of it is Bucker is ready versus Amendola had to go? It's more Amendola had to go. They are optimistic that Harrison Bucker can be available for Sunday's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And based on the weather in Florida, we're, you know we're, the Buccaneers are training in Miami for the rest of this week um, in anticipation of of a hurricane coming through Central Florida. So we'll see if the game gets moved, if it gets moved up, if it gets moved to maybe Miami or or a different spot in America. But if the game is played on Sunday, uh, the Chiefs believe they have a really good chance of getting Harrison Bucker back. Will he be 100%? That's unlikely. But 
basically they feel like a a recovering Harrison Bucker can make a 42-yard field goal more than Matt Amendola. Um, the timing of it is fortuitous in this sense. But, yeah, it it's just – I wonder, you know, we don't – we didn't talk to Matt Amendola after the game, but I wonder even if no he, one will ever talk to Matt Amendola ever again. I just wonder from his vantage point because you know I go back, I rewatch mm-hmm. the game on television. I just wonder if he knew that like if I make one mistake, they're going to they're going to yank me. And so is that giving the player the confidence he needs to perform well? Um, we'll 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 see where this goes forward, but the Chiefs are planning on having Harrison Bucker for Sunday's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, coming up on the other side, I want to talk more in depth about Chris Jones and the penalty and get your thoughts on there's probably four or five plays that you can say, well, if the Chiefs had, Mm -hmm. that's one of those things. If Chris Jones simply goes to the sideline, I believe the Kansas City Chiefs win on Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show here live on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. You are listening to the Nate Taylor Show here live on 610 Sports Radio. Nate, before we get your take on what happened with Chris Jones, I want to play, you asked them the question. Hey, what happened with Chris Jones? Take us through it. Here was Chris Jones' answer. Oh, it sucks, man, because I blame myself for that. Um, we was third down. We got off the field. Defense fall hard. And I kind of put us in a situation uh, to get back on the field, and then we got scored on. And that sums up the game. So I take that one. Uh, it was my fault. It was definitely my fault. Uh, as, a, as a veteran player on this team, I got to be better. Uh, you know, with those type of things, especially those situations. Uh, but it won't happen again for me. Uh, I'll take full blame. Apologize to my team, you know, for putting us in that type of situation. It was third down. We was off the field. Would have gave our offense the ball back. So you were in the locker room. Take us through this. Take us through your perspective, your opinion on the play. The NFL, man, just <laughs> – look, the the – the referees can the referee the referees are asked to control the game, control the tempo of the game. You know, make sure nothing nefarious gets out of the you know gets out of hand. Um, Chris Jones, along with the rest of the defensive line, made a great play. Nick Bolton gets a sack. Um, I don't think he should be penalized, Carrington. And you know, Chris, to his credit, answered every question after the game. Was honest. Um, knew what not to say so that he wouldn't be fine on top of the fact that he, you know, was a large reason why the Chiefs lost against the Indianapolis Colts. But, yeah, moving forward, you know, the league has basically told you you can celebrate with your teammates, but you can't taunt, and apparently you can't say anything that's subjectively decided to be abusive language. And the problem with yesterday, and I know it's upset Chiefs fans, and they're never going to – I don't think the league is going to be transparent enough to give you a legitimate answer. But, hey, you know, Sean Smith um, in a pool report with Adam Teicher of ESPN, basically all he wanted to say was, hey, it was abusive language, which per the league rules means you could be penalized for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Now, there's been some discussion as to, hey, this, this penalty occurred after the play 
why should it give the other team an automatic first down? Well, that goes to the league's rules committee, which will then be discussed, I'm sure, uh, next offseason. But that's also, to my understanding, a judgment call by the referee. He believed it was a result of the previous play, therefore it is attached to the previous play, even though some people can make the argument that it was after the play when obviously the teams are trying to decide what to do on fourth down. Um, Chris Jones didn't tell us what he said. Sean Smith didn't tell us what he said. Matt Ryan didn't tell us what he said. So it's a mystery that we may never solve, Carrington, and that's a shame because no matter what the word is, it really does come down to a judgment call. And what you don't want in a football game that could, you know, have implications toward the rest of the regular season, toward playoff seeding, you know, is something that didn't really happen on the field of play. It just happened on the field. So it's unfortunate. We'll see if Chris learns from this moving forward. But I think he kind of got goaded into it by Matt Ryan. And if that's the case and you give Matt Ryan credit because that was the only chance that they were going to get another new set of downs because they weren't converting on fourth and 14. But it's it's a hard lesson for the Chiefs to learn on top of so many other mistakes that obviously we discussed in the previous segment. But at least Chris Jones admitted that he made a mistake and that he's got to evolve with these new rules because referees are looking not only to just protect the quarterback physically, but now they're protecting the quarterback verbally. And that is... That might be unfair to every other player on the field because if Chris Jones said that to Jonathan Taylor, I don't think he's getting penalized. If he says that to Quentin Nelson, I don't think he's getting penalized. But because he's saying that to the quarterback, um, the league has gone above and beyond to protect the quarterbacks, and this is just another setting as to why they're doing that. My frustration in this is twofold. Number one is the consistency of it mm-hmm. because last week when the Bucks and the Saints had their disagreement, they were not <laughs> going to throw a penalty until right. the physical confrontation happened. Right. But we've seen Brady go back and forth with players a lot and they I let mean, it I, slide a little bit. I mean, bit. I, 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 I can lip read what Brady said to Marcus Lattimore Carrington and you could make the decision that, Hey, that's abusive language too. And it's to your point about rewarding them. The Colts didn't do anything to gain a first down. Right. The play is over. Right. They're standing there after it's over. Mm -hmm. So if you're an official and you decide to draw that flag, you got to think, is what he said enough to give the Colts something that they didn't earn? That it's not your job as the official. To me, your job as the official is to legislate the rules of the game and to call it fairly and give both teams a chance to win. Right. Or if I'm the official in that scenario – Step in between them, separate, separate them, them, and yes. tell them to go to their opposite corners here. But, yep. this, but to let them argue and then throw a flag and then automatically reward a team an extension of a drive on a drive in which they're trying to tie the game up or potentially take the lead right. is crazy to me. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. But again, the legendary quarterback Tom Brady can verbally abuse based on some people's you know uh, belief. He can abuse a very talented quarterback in Marcus Lattimore. But 
when the roles are reversed and a star defensive tackle wants to verbally abuse or in the heat of the moment with trash talking, you know, say something to Matt Ryan, a quarterback of stature, then they're going to protect the quarterback. It's, it is um, hypocritical. And that's why I'm a little bit more lenient on Chris Jones. How in the world was he supposed to know that, Carrington? Now, maybe he didn't realize that Sean Smith, the referee, was literally right there. But even still, like, how was he supposed to know? There had been no penalty like that in the NFL this season. I just, the league will not be transparent. And that's to the detriment of us, to disseminating the transparency of the news as to the decision to fans, even to the, you know, Andy Reid basically said today, we may not understand fully why that penalty was called in that moment because that's basically a judgment call by the referee. So unless he tells us, which he didn't want to yesterday, they'll never know. And lastly, if this is the way it's going to go, it's got to be to a point where the defenders now are at such a disadvantage, Carrington, that all that they can do is let the play speak for themselves. Like the play has to speak for itself. You cannot, you can't do anything extracurricular, especially at the quarterback and anywhere near a referee because the referee has the ability to, as you are suggesting, and I believe impact, you know, a critical game in the fourth quarter. I want to play a cut from Andy Reid's press conference earlier today and get your thoughts on it. Andy Reid was asked about the offense in this game. We got to get the guys into a rhythm. And I didn't think that that took place yesterday. It was, it was spurty at best. And uh, you can't, uh, you know, that, that, you, you don't want that. Spurty at best. And we got to find a way to get them in a rhythm. Well, I watched the preseason. They were in a rhythm. <laughs> right. I watched week one against Arizona. Oh, yes. They were in a rhythm. Mm-hmm. How did they get out of the rhythm? Do you have an answer for how this offense went from humming yeah. just two weeks ago to now we got to figure out how to get them in a rhythm and spurtiness? How did this happen? The offensive line is not as good as we thought it is, Carrington, at least not through these last two games. The offensive line against the Arizona Cardinals was excellent. And sure, you had weeks to prepare for the Arizona Cardinals, who, by the way, didn't change a single thing, didn't do anything that was, like, surprising. Um, Blitz Patrick Mahomes more than any coach should ever blitz, that being Vince Joseph, the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals. And they got gashed. They got sliced up. Um, They gave up more than 40 points. The Chargers blitzed Mahomes but they kept blitzing him because the offensive line actually started to not hold up well or to not get the right protections, whether that be Creed Humphrey's fault, the center of the Chiefs, or Patrick Mahomes based on what they saw from film study. I'm going to just run through the um, through the injury report briefly here, Carrington. You know Orlando Brown has a knee issue? He is not moving as well as he did week one. I watched him yesterday, and I even pointed it out on Twitter. I think it's his left knee, and he is not moving well on it. He's not 100%. Trey Smith has an ankle and a shoulder injury. So he's somewhat compromised, but he has not played really well. You know, I don't know if Joe Tooney has an injury because it's not on the injury report. We're not aware of it. But he doesn't have the same push up the middle that he had a year ago. And all of that is sort of slowly entering Patrick Mahomes' mind. 
and he moved around a lot yesterday. The Colts were sort of generating pressure on him as the game moved along without blitzing. And that's that's the first thing that can get this offense out of rhythm. The offense is built on moving the football down the field, letting the quarterback have multiple options in the middle of the field, and the defense having to make that difficult choice as to do we just want to let them just drive the ball down the field on us or are we actually going to, like, switch things up and blitz and pray that he doesn't hit somebody for, you know, a highlight, you know, worthy reception. Um, Look, man, Yannick Ngakwe got Orlando Brown multiple times. Orlando Brown fell down because he improperly stepped out of his footwork on his pass pro. Um, And Andrew Wiley was, like, probably the best offensive lineman yesterday. And even he got beat a couple times by DeForest Buckner, which is not a not a terrible thing. Yeah, Buckner's one of the best defensive linemen in the league. But he stood up better at times than Orlando Brown, which is not the way the plan is supposed to go. So, yeah, some people want Sky Moore to have more reps, right? Yes, it would be it would be helpful if Clyde Rizalera had better consistent production running the football. But this offense is elite when Mahomes has time and can survey the field and find somebody open in a one-on-one matchup. Usually that's Travis Kelsey. Um, but all these little things start because the offensive line is just not playing well. And that's not sexy to say because it's more easier to say, hey, when the offensive line did hold up, Travis Kelsey dropped a touchdown pass. But on the majority of plays yesterday and against the Chargers, they really, really struggled in pass protection. Coming up. Let's talk about the spat heard around the world between Patrick <laughs> Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy. Here we and get, go. And get your take on it next. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show here live on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. You are listening to the Nate Taylor Show live on 610 Sports Radio. So, I want to play for you what Patrick Mahomes had to say on the drive earlier today. I'll play that for you. But let's hear from Andy Reid first. Here's what he said earlier today on the end of the first half disagreement between Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniem. I, I don't think the camera probably showed the reality. It was uh, um, EB was just uh, communicating, come you know, saying, "Listen, we'll, we'll get at the second half here." That's what we were thinking. He was explaining the situation to him. So, Patrick, listen, Patrick, and this is what makes him great: is he wants to rip your heart out on every play and every opportunity he gets. So, um, and um, he had taken a pretty good lick um the play before and um and so my decision was to to do that you know to it wasn't eb eb was just a the calming effect there and uh uh but sometimes things look they look different i mean it's a it's an emotional game man. i mean it's an emotional game i wouldn't want it any other way i that's what makes it great and and um and so uh and that's why we all love pat he he wants to he wants to play. There are guys that'll shy away from that right there and and, and say, hey, let's just take it in and, and go the other direction. He wants to get in there and, and go. 
Um, but that's where I come in. I've got to make sure that um, I, I do what I think is best. And Pat explained it, I thought, very well yesterday. And let's not change Pat Mahomes, man. Let's not change that, or EB for that matter. Let's not change that. Those are those are two great men right there. So that was Andy Reid yesterday, or earlier today, excuse me, mm-hmm. talking about the incident. You guys talked about it in the locker room. You guys got reaction to it. What was the sense in the locker room about what happened? What's your read on the situation? Yeah, I mean, the locker room really wasn't too much, you know, discussing that. I think, you know, for the running backs, you know, you know they their lockers are by position group, just by the way. So, like, the, the running backs are kind of in one section, uh, the quarterbacks are in a section, and then you have the receivers and the linemen. Um, you know... Most coaches aren't really in the locker room. Like, they have their own area to dress and get undressed and all that. But, yeah, most of the discussion in the locker room was about players' mistakes and obviously Andy sort of, you know, um, trying to do his part to be accountable to say, like, hey, you know, um, clearly I need to make better coaching decisions in the middle of the game. But what's, you know, what's what's telling to me is, you know, and I know Patrick talked to you and you're going to play this out in a minute, is, like, a lot of times we think about this from like leadership down, right? Or chain of command down. Well, who's supposed to be the subordinate? It's supposed to be the the player. It's supposed to be Mahomes at the standpoint. He's supposed to listen to his commanding officer, which is obviously the coaching staff, which is Andy Reid, obviously Eric Bieniemy. Here's what I don't get, Carrington. If most people think that way, if most people want their players to be coached in such a way, for the, the 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 respect to go chain of command. Why are so many people on the athletic in my stories on Twitter on the text line? Why do so many people want Eric Bieniemy fired because Andy Reid made mistakes, special teams was awful, and the quarterback legitimately was just wrong in the heat of the moment. Like, why do so many people, or a certain segment of people, I should say? want this on Eric Bieniemy's fault when ultimately the person who makes the decision is the head coach. And remind me if I'm seeing things wrong, but Eric Bieniemy is not the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. No, he's not the head coach. My my read on it is, and I, I, I think what confuses me about maybe the backlash to it is we all have real life situations where you and a coworker have had a heated exchange. Mm-hmm. There's normally a third person that kind of calms the situation down. You and the other person go your separate ways, and however long you come back, you talk about it, what happened in a much more reasonable fashion, and then everybody moves forward. Right. I think we see that happen in the NFL all the time, and maybe it's the quarterback-coordinator relationship of it Mm -hmm. that maybe changes the dynamic of it and how people see it that way, but I just saw two people that had fundamental differences on what they both need to do to win. Right. I don't think anybody's right or wrong in that situation, but just we are both, we both want the same thing, but we think you go about it very different ways. Yeah. And I think having those disagreements are healthy up to a certain point, but I didn't see anything in their exchange that I thought crossed the line that made this interaction unhealthy. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think you and I might be, I don't know, maybe in the minority on this, but I don't think this individual act is that big of a deal. It, it's it's not, and it really shouldn't be for the rest of the season. But I, but Carrington, I, I, I think Patrick was wrong. I think Patrick was wrong from the start. I think Patrick was wrong during it, and you know he's wise enough to acknowledge it after the game, and obviously talking to you. But like, 
if I had to choose of the three people involved, quarterback, head coach, offensive coordinator, Patrick's wrong. He's just he's just wrong. So can I quickly go through the scenarios as to why he's wrong? And again, I don't say this often. Like Patrick Mahomes is an amazing quarterback, the most talented passer of the football in the league, makes brilliant decisions more times than not. But in this scenario, it's second and 20 because Trey Smith held on the first play of them near midfield with no timeouts left and a kicker that we've already said they don't trust. You know who's also not on the team anymore? Tyreek Hill. So when you put all that into consideration, I understand why Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid, who ultimately made the, the biggest decision, this is probably one of the best decisions Andy Reid all, made all day yesterday, is the risk is too much for the reward. The reward is maybe we get into field goal range and maybe Matt Amendola makes a field goal, even though we have given him no confidence whatsoever in the first half after he missed the first extra point attempt. So the first play of that drive that I think fans have started to forget, Carrington, it's first and 10. They call a beautiful shot play against a cover three look. Justin Watson is one-on-one in the middle of the field, open. Mahomes gives him a chance on a 50-50 ball, and unfortunately it's incomplete because the defensive back makes a very nice play on it. Okay, we gave you one shot. And now, because the play involved a holding penalty, we're starting farther back than when we began this drive. So it's second and 20. We have no timeouts. We do not have Tyreek Hill. We already ran one of our better deep routes for the game. We get the ball to start the second half. We don't have Harrison Bucker. How are we supposed to score? Like, legitimately. Unless you do something wildly magician-like, which can happen from time to time, but we're asking you to do it under really adverse circumstances. There's just no way any coach, most coaches, should tell Patrick Mahomes, yeah, man, just go out there and sling it again. Have you, you know, Andy Reid mentioned today, like, another part of this is the offensive line was kind of getting beat. Like, Yannick Ngakwe was kind of winning some of those pass reps, pass rushing reps against Orlando Brown. So why would we put you in harm's way when we got a whole second and a half to figure out the offense so that you can get in rhythm, which obviously goes back to coaching. But there's – Patrick Mahomes was wrong, and it's okay to say that. Like, sometimes – a brilliant player wants too much, and that's why you have coaches to remind him that, hey man, we get the ball. Like it's 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 interesting that the most calm person in the entire argument confrontation was Eric Benemy being like, it's okay. We have 30 more minutes to like beat this team. But we don't have the most explosive weapon in the league, and we don't have we don't have the proper kicker for a long distance kick. So like go beat them in the second half. Um, so it's okay to Eric Benjamin's fine. He should not be fired just based on how yesterday went. Um, but that's what the coach is there for to help the player. And the player sometimes needs to understand that, Hey, he's helping me and I don't need to, I don't need to get into an argument, even though I'm wrong. When you look at it from a bigger picture standpoint. Two part question here. And I do want to play for you the audio really quickly. 
How would you categorize what you know about the relationship between Mahomes and Bienemy? And maybe this is just a very simple observation about life. Mm-hmm. If Patrick Mahomes didn't want to work with Eric Bienemy anymore, oh. then Eric Bienemy wouldn't be the offensive oh, coordinator. Oh of no! Oh no, child! That after the AFC Championship game, correct, would have been the perfect time to say, "Hey, this just isn't working anymore." Hey, right. I, I've had this voice for three years. Uh huh. I appreciate everything that he's done. Yep. Like Pat's got the juice to kind of make that happen. Mm-hmm. So to me, Eric Bienemy coming back sort of validates everything. Yes, and solidifies of course. Everything, of course. But. You cover the team on a day-to-day basis, so I just want to hear you say it. Hey, man. Uh, look, Mike Kafka didn't want to leave, y'all. Like, let's see. Like, now he got a better job because he's now the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants who are playing right now. But he didn't want to leave Patrick. And, like, Matt Nagy was like, maybe I'll take a year off. And they were like, do you want to cover Patrick Mahomes? He's like, of course. Like, Eric Bieniemy is a very good coach. He should already be a head coach. You telling me Eric Bieniemy can't do what Nathaniel Hackett's doing right now? I think we could do what Nathaniel Hackett <laughs> is doing. Come right on. Now. He needs- and by the way, the Broncos interviewed this man and was like, nah, we, we'll go the Nathaniel Hackett route. Right now, the right now the Broncos have a head coach for their head coach. Right. <laughs> like, who's like, hey, uh, I, don't, I don't think we should challenge that. He challenged it. Why, why do we? <sighs> Does he understand the rules? Uh, so, no. Like, I think they have a very good relationship. I think they like Patrick is so competitive that sometimes he gets up, he gets outside of himself, and that's why Eric Bieniemy's there. Like, I think the best the I think the best relationship Eric Bieniemy has, and I wrote about this last year, is with Travis Kelsey, where Travis Kelsey wanted to swing on this man, also against the Colts in a <laughs> primetime game in 2019, and had to be they literally had to be separated from the sidelines, and then later on in the game. You know, Travis Kelsey's like, my bad. Like, let's fist bump. Like, you're right. I'm wrong. Like, you're saying that so that I can do better on the field. Like, if you're saying that to motivate me, I understand it. Did it make me not? Did it make me feel good? Not at the time, because I'm playing like trash. But like, okay, that's fine. Like, Eric Benemy is is good in in the game situations, which helps Andy Reid. He's good at pass protections because that's his job as the offensive coordinator is to understand where all the blitzes could be coming from. He obviously understands the run game because he's a former NFL running back, and he's trying <laughs> to make these running backs better. But, like, hey, you can only do it with, with what you have. Um, and the Chiefs are one of the best teams on third down. Like, that is literally understanding your strengths and your opponent's weaknesses when you got to have it. So it's one moment in a 17-game season. But, no, if Patrick Mahomes didn't want to work with Airbnb, or if Airbnb didn't work with Patrick Mahomes, these two would not still be co-workers. All right. I want to play for you on the other side of the audio because I want you to hear it. And I also want to get your take on the AFC West. That was the biggest, baddest conference we had ever seen. Toughest division ever. How'd they lose to the Titans, John? Well, we've been watching this division. How'd they lose? And it stinks. <laughs> Keep it right here. It's the Nate Taylor Show. You're listening to The Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. We got a little bit of time here. I want to play for you Patrick Mahomes. This was his side of the dispute with Eric Bieniemy. After seeing the video, uh, I mean, I see why people thought it was a bigger deal than it actually was. Um, Obviously, uh, as an offensive player and someone that wants to score every single time you're on the field, I wanted to go. I wanted to take another chance and try to get it down the field and get out of bounds or, or something like that, um, and try to give us a chance to either throw a hail mary or, or kick a field goal. But 
um, they had kind of made the decision, not just uh, Coach Bienemy. I think it was uh, Coach Reed and the whole office of staff that we were in a good spot. We had the we had the lead and and we could just kind of get to the half um, and kind of refocus and and kind of having the ball coming out of half. And we w- didn't want to make a, a big mistake there at the half. So um, that's their jobs, and I, I got to be better at uh, knowing when when that that is the right decision. But at the same time, I, I always want to score. I think that's just kind of who I am. This is my read on the situation. Sometimes I just think competitive people disagree. And over the midst of you guys trying to win, sometimes you guys have different visions on what needs to be done to win. And sometimes that comes out in a verbal disagreement. But behind closed doors, you guys kind of patch it up and you move forward. That's at least my read on it. How accurate is that? Yeah, I mean, it's very accurate. I mean, it, that's who we are. I think that's what makes our culture so great is that all all the people on this in this staff, I um, mean, you know, the players, the coaches, um, in in the the locker room together, we want to win. We, we, we want to go out there and compete and win. And that's what that competitive nature is what drives us to be great. Um, and uh, I think, like you said, I mean, sometimes there's a little disagreement here or there, but we know that we're trying to do whatever we can to win at the end of the day. And I think if uh, if that's not the case, it, can, it becomes indifferent. But that is the case, and we've been together for a long time and won a lot of football games together. How do you two resolve the situation? Is there that moment at halftime? Is it you going back to watch the film and kind of seeing what you did wrong and he sees what he do wrong and you guys come together? Like, how do you guys move forward after that? Um, I think it, it, it kind of goes by. Like, it, it's not like we – right when the, the we got to the locker room and we just started talking, it was like it never even happened. I mean, it's just – we both understand that we're both trying to do whatever we can to win the game. Uh, that's At the end of the day, that's all it is. And uh, it's not like these things are lingering around and stuff like that. I mean, I, I, I'll have disagreements with, with uh, other people as well. It's not like it's just something that with EB, it's, it's something that you just want to win. And when you have a lot of people that care and that want to win, There'll be little disagreements, but at the same time, you'll come together and go find a way to win at the end of the day. Eric Bieniemy called you a competitive prick one time in a press conference. Would you say that that's kind of what starts some of this? And not saying that's a negative thing. We saw, we all saw the Last Dance documentary. Jordan had a little bit of that too. Do you think that's where some of the disagreements that happen over the game come from? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think I, I am a little bit of a competitive competitor. I guess they would say. I mean, I. Uh, I always want to do whatever I can to win, and I want that play, and I believe in our, our, our team that we can do anything. And, and there's sometimes I need someone to, to kind of calm me down and to make me go back to my fundamentals and go back to, to just running the offense, and that's, that's what the coaches' jobs are to do, and that they know who I am and they get the best out of me, and uh, that's all I can ask for at the end of the day. So I just want to clear this up for everybody. This is not a big deal. You and Eric Bieniemy have moved forward from this. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, the, the, it, it, I think it's more of a big deal with, with uh, the fan base and, and the media right now than it is in our locker room. I mean, we're, we're, we're moving forward knowing we have a big game in, in Tampa coming up, um, and we're going to go out there and try to do whatever we can to win that one. So that's my home side of it from earlier today on the drive. What do you think? What do you make of what he had to say? Uh, I was right. <laughs> he basically was like, yeah, I was a little outside of myself. I, I was very – I wanted another. He wanted another big play. He he was he's known for big plays. He wants big plays, but you got to do it more now than ever within the structure of the offense when the time and the moment allow for it. But no, like he he gets it. Um, they'll be fine. They'll score more points. That offensive line got to get healthy and a little bit better. But yeah, like there's no issue between him and EB. We got a couple of minutes here. The AFC West. Ooh. I told people this. Yeah. You can be mad about the Chiefs losing. I understand being mad. You had a better weekend than Buffalo. Mm-hmm. You had a better weekend than the Chargers. Man, the Chargers are broken already. Damn. 
I mean, I'm still looking forward to the rematch because we would assume Herbert would be healthy by then, but they may not have a complete team or the team that, you know, we thought was going to be really competitive and push the Chiefs in the division. Can the Broncos score 20 points? Can they score 17? <laughs> and for the Raiders, it's over. It's over. It might be over. Josh McDaniels has never proven he can coach. It might be over. Well, that defense is just. <sighs> they ain't good at nothing. <laughs> offense ain't good. The defense ain't good. Ain't nothing good. Defense is boo-boo. They haven't found a way to get Devontae Adams more involved, which is like. Odd. Yeah. Why'd you spend all that? If you didn't right. Know how to give him the like ball? the Chiefs know how to get Kelsey the ball, even though everybody know where the ball's going. You can't do that with Devontae Adams. It's very, very, very fair point. So, look. The Chiefs should be 3-0, but they're they're still pacing the rest of the AFC West. We hand things over to our guy Dusty Likens. It was another edition of the Nate Taylor Show. Take care of yourself. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.